You're listening to Grace for the Grind, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. We're here to encourage and equip you through the ups and downs of life and ministry, because each of us needs some grace for the grind. Welcome to episode 139. I'm Ryan Nilsson. And I'm Mike Natal. We're your hosts, and today... We have a special guest with us. Andrew Carlson is the director of Hastings Lake Bible Camp in Alberta, Canada. We're doing a series where we're talking with different camps tied to our CLB church family. And so we're really excited to have a chance to talk with Andrew. Andrew is from Rochester, Minnesota, but he's lived in Canada for the past 17 years. He and his wife, Dita, have two daughters, and he's worked at Hastings Lake for 12 years. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. It's great to be here. So the icebreaker that we'd like to start off with is by asking our guests a question that kind of relaxes the mood a little bit. So the first question that we want to ask you is, what is your favorite leisure activity? Oh, man, by far hunting. I've been a deer hunter for, oh, no, 30 years almost, probably. Obviously, started in Minnesota. Deer hunting is kind of a big thing there. It's a big thing up here, too. There's just more land and fewer people, so it's way more fun to deer hunt. Um, And then second favorite leisure activity would probably just be playing music. I can play several instruments, which comes in handy at camp. And uh, it's just a fun thing you can do at home. Hunting is harder at home, so I usually go somewhere else for that. Good call. Good call. So what's the biggest buck that you've gotten? Uh, biggest buck was actually in 2020. It was like the only fun thing I did all of 2020, really. But I got a big uh, six by six or a 12 point, if you're from Minnesota, buck. And it's currently hanging on my wall in my living room. But the bigger challenge was convincing my wife that I needed it on the wall in the living room. But we got her done. Nice. I'm sure that you're still uh, paying for that in many different ways. So many different ways. I've but it led the way for more deer. I put another, you know, buck that next year I shot a good one and it's on top of the piano. So like it just paved the way for more. There you go. Yeah. You open the box. I mean, now every room could have one. You've got a solid precedent for that, right? So yeah. oh, and every room will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what says bedtime story better with one of your girls than a big buck on the wall? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They ask for hunting stories frequently at bedtime, actually. I, I shot oh. a bear last year and they love that story too. Awesome. This is great. I would think like a life-size bear that is like propped over with its paws straight up in the air in one of the girls' rooms. Brilliant. That would be sweet. If I could afford that, yeah, I, I would do it. But, uh, you know, until that day, you know, I work at a Bible camp, so I don't think that day will ever come, but we'll see. Something to strive for. You can dream that dream for your grandkids. Parenting tip, I think it'd be highly motivational. You know, when you're putting your kids to bed to say, don't get out of bed. This deer is watching you. Mm. Mm. It'll attack you if you leave. I think we figured out a new segment on Grace for the Grind, which could be parenting tips with Ryan there Nielsen. We go. There we go. Great. For, that first one's Great. for free. There you go. After that, we you got to subscribe. Is that what it's something like? Yeah, we'll have to come up with a subscription service. All yeah. right. All right. Sweet. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thanks for being with us, Andrew. Yeah, no worries, man. (laughs) Andrew, you're the director of Hastings Lake Bible Camp. How did the camp get started? The camp got started 85 years ago. And if we want to be technical, 87, there was a 
a group within a bunch of Lutheran churches back in the day called Luther League. I don't know if that was a U.S. thing or a Canada thing, but basically kind of a club of Lutheran folks back in the 30s from all different Lutheran churches called Luther League, and they started planning a kind of just camp weeks. So they didn't have a campus, so let's go camping, I think, basically is how it worked out. And everybody loved it, so they kept making it bigger and, and bigger. And after two years, they ended up actually purchasing the land here on the south shore of Hastings Lake in Alberta and uh, built a couple cabins in a chapel. And from what I hear, the first camp they held on this location had 93 people, which is actually quite good. I mean, 93 people, I still really wouldn't wouldn't scoff at that number for a week of camp. Yeah, And it's been going ever since they, you know, since 38, when they had absolutely a chapel and a couple of cabins. I have 29 buildings out here now. I don't use all of them for like normal things. Like some of them are storage now, but in 85 years to 29 buildings, 20 acres of land, but we also are running eight weeks of week long camp a summer, four family camps, four kids camps. And it started a couple of years ago, offsite day camp program. So we run day camps at churches around central Alberta for for churches that may want to do VBS, but don't know how, or maybe they did and their volunteers are too tired, too old. Maybe VBS style programming just is really intimidating. For us at camp, it's almost like we could do stuff like that in our sleep. It's just so much easier than overnight camp. So now we do, I've got a summer full of offsite day camps and a summer full of on-site overnight camps. The rest of the year, I get various churches and groups renting our facilities, so I get you know another couple of thousand people out using that. So in 85 years, it's come pretty far, actually, and accelerating the quickest, actually, in probably the last 10 years or so, just because they've had somebody like me t- to devote every waking minute of my life thinking about camp and how to reach more kids through it, so... It started a long time ago, and it's still going hard. I don't think God has plans to that Hastings would close in the next couple of years here. So, not that He's told me anyway. That's sweet. I love hearing that. I love hearing that there are camps that we, as the Lutheran brethren, are a part of that are going so strong. And that's the one thing that seems to be so resounding as we've done this series is that man, God is using camps to do incredible things, which kind of leads us to our next question. How does this camp contribute to God's mission? Well, we probably touch the lives of around a thousand people every year, and that's a rough estimate, intentionally with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. I mean, quite simply, that. Obviously, we provide kind of outdoor recreation and the whole summer camp experience. You can do archery, you can go canoeing, you can do crazy big group games in our field or throughout the woods and stuff. And that's all important. But the thing that camp is good at, and it's been good at it the whole time, and it still is, is creating an environment when people can come out of their daily life that's probably full of a lot of static screens, technology, and more and more a million voices telling them different things, especially things that are, you know, true when they might not be true telling them things that they need to make their life better when they probably don't. So coming to camp, we discourage any sort of technology coming with you, first of all. It just makes it a little easier. But then we also try to simplify 
by not over-programming you throughout the day. So in nature, when everything we do is pointing towards Jesus and we can slow you down and calm you down and kind of clear out all these things that you might be worrying about and thinking about, finally you're in a place that you can hear the words of Jesus again whispering his sweet gospel into you, which he's been talking to you the entire time, whether you can hear him or not. But we try to create an environment at camp where that's his words and his voice are a lot easier to hear. And if people don't know what that sounds like, we teach them what his voice sounds like, what his words say, and get them familiar with what scripture is, what the Bible is, literally, is part of our like day one lessons. This is called a Bible. It's a big book that's very old, if you didn't know about it. And, you know, we start with square one, whether it's the first time a kid or an adult, because we do a lot of family camps, the first time a kid or an adult has ever heard of the Bible or Jesus, or maybe it's the first time in a long time they've heard about it and heard from Jesus. We try to bring them back to the foundations of the Christian faith. And it's a beautiful thing to see that, you know, faith comes from hearing. So I tell my staff, you know, pressure's on, but pressure's off. Like, you read the word of God out loud. Like, it's not going to bounce off the walls. It's like, it's going places, right? Like it works on its own. Say it out loud to a kid, provide him with his first Bible if he needs one or if he needs one. And God will start, he'll just handle the rest. He'll probably ask you to be involved along the way and all those things. But it's it's kind of fun that it's easier than people want to think that it is. And we really encourage thinking about it in that way. And doing that intentionally with every person that comes out here. And it's humbling to see it when it happens and exciting at the same time. Yeah, that's awesome. What are you excited about that you have coming up this summer? Oh, man. For a camp director, excitement is like the same thing as freaked out, you know? <laughs> like, we're supposed to build two new cabins this year and renovate three more. Very exciting. We've needed that for a long time. We've got the funds to be able to do it, but then like just figuring out how to make that happen. And, you know, things like that, excited and worried about facilities is kind of, it, it seems silly because it's just like, I'm worried about a structure made of wood and screws. And ultimately that really doesn't matter in the long run. It's just kind of a logistical worry, but more exciting on things that I'm not actually as worried about is probably our day camp program because it's still kind of new we started it in 2020 as a backup plan for summer because we didn't know if camps were allowed to happen with the whole covid thing no overnight camps were allowed in 2020 so i we started day camp in 2021 and i said right in january 2021 i said guys you know what overnight camps are literally not allowed. We specialize in large group events where we encourage people to get close to one another, which is the opposite of what COVID wanted to do. So I said, well, I've got a day camp program all ready to go that I've wanted to start for a long time that I've done before. I worked at Inspiration Point Bible Camp in Minnesota for a couple of years and went there as a camper for a long time. And they have a day camp program they do where they send a few staff to this church or that church and they run a VBS style program called Day Camp. So I already had that program ready to go. And by the time we got to, I think it was June 5th, 
and camp would start like June 15th. And our provincial government said, all right, we're dropping all the restrictions on July 1st. Start planning your summers, which for a summer camp is not a whole lot of time to do that. We were able to, thank goodness, I reworked our whole overnight thing, hired a skeleton crew so that if certain stuff wasn't allowed, we could run camp anyway. But most of the camps had basically already called off their summer in April or May. So then in 2021, we ran overnight camp and day camp simultaneously, which is what I wanted to do in the first place. But we did backup plan and other backup plan. We had like a million backup plans. We did them both in 2021. It went pretty good. I had a bunch of churches sign on for day camp, not the whole summer, and they all loved it. So then last year we did it again. I had a couple more churches sign on for day camp and to host it. And again, not the whole summer, but all those churches loved it too. A few new ones. And so then this year, hoping that it goes like when I'm planning, I just hope churches say, yeah, we'll host a day camp. We'll do this. And they did. I booked the entire summer and I'm still getting calls from various churches wanting to host a day camp. And I said, sorry, it's full. I only hire this many extra staff to run this. But next year, we'll see. Maybe I hire another day camp staff crew. But that's probably what excites me the most for this summer is seeing that day camp. I, well, first of all, it finally filled the whole summer and that there's more demand than I can supply, basically. Because we actually, so far anyway, we we reach more kids at off-site day camps than we do at on-site day camps now, which is pretty cool. And, I mean, I kind of don't know what to do with that, but I kind of do. We run our day camps, like I mentioned, a lot of part of it is supporting the church itself. And, you know, if they're not capable or if they want to see what it's like supporting the church itself, well, they don't have the resources and we do, so we come and do it. But the little bigger goal of it is that the day camp becomes an outreach to their community and their town. Most of the places we go are small towns or country churches. And like one of the day camps we run is at a church and their regular attendance out this little country church. A regular attendance is probably 20 people, 25 people. And they're mostly related to each other, which is fine. But their day camp attendance was more than twice that. So their day camp attendance was like two times their actual congregation numbers. So like, it's like, it doesn't matter if you have two kids at your church, we'll still come run day camp and you just see who God brings because it's kind of crazy. So that church in particular started their own weekly kids programming because now all of a sudden all these kids had been in their church and had fun. So now they know that church can be fun and can be for kids. And all their parents came to our closing program to see what their kids were doing and they all loved it. So now that particular community we're in, I think there's four churches partnering together to run it at this little country church because they're psyched about it. So it's kind of turning into a, a thing and getting a little out of hand, which I guess is the goal. But I'm just super stoked about day camp currently. Ask me and that probably the next five years, that's what my answer will be unless for some reason somebody donates a Ferrari to the camp or something. But for now, day camp's rocking. <laughs> So can you give us just like a, a brief overview of what's involved in a day camp? Yeah, totally. So our day camp runs Monday to Friday from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon. So mostly a school day. So all those parents that have their kids at home all summer, maybe they're doing stuff, maybe they're not. They've got a whole week where hour wise, their kids can be away for a school day's worth of hours. For us, they're in a church, presumably, and learning about Jesus. And again, we focus it very much on 
Like we're assuming these kids don't know a ton, if anything, about Jesus. Because we don't want to start them on chapter 10, where they just skip over all the foundational stuff. People call it basic, but I'm like, it's actually foundational. You skip that, it screws you up. But yeah, nine to three. And we run like a short chapel service, uh, Bible studies, group games, hopefully outside is the goal for lots of group games. We do crafts. Kids bring a sack lunch. So they do lunch. The church provides a mid-morning snack. And then each day, at least this is our goal, to do kind of a one-off teaching session on something else. And like we've talked about it being missions work like that, or even just uh, different ways the kids could become maybe communicators of the faith in their communities. Or the one-off could be something like, hey, guys, we're going to teach you how to do leather tooling today, rather than we're not gluing, you know, cotton balls to a paper plate. We'd rather not almost waste our time on simple things like that. But if they learn a little bit of a fun skill, we've even thought about bringing knitting. You have to hire knitters. And that's hard to find, actually. To hire somebody who can knit but that's like another thing so we try to make it unique and not just kind of a mail it in standard program right because the churches are hosting us and there's a fee to it like the churches we charge them to host it and in some cases the kids pay a small admission fee too so we're like you know a lot of vbs is free if ours isn't it has to be worth it for the kids and we want to make it worth it anyway even if it was free to be honest yeah, and so far the churches are just absolutely loving it. I had one church the first year we did it, and this is like four hours away. This is down in like the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, so it was far away. I couldn't go over there and check on my staff, but we did it for that church. And the next year, they called me and they said, we're actually not going to have a, you guys come to run a day camp this year at our church. And I said, okay. And they said, because we helped you guys last year with it and got to see how it works, so we're going to give it a shot ourselves this year, which ironically is one of my goals. It's probably helpful if not every church every year wants to do it themselves, you know. But that church said, hey, we saw what it can do. We think we can make a copy of it at least pretty good, and we're going to give it a shot ourselves. And all of a sudden, you've enabled or encouraged a church to try out VBS on their own. And maybe it's going to scare them, but maybe they'll figure out, hey, this wasn't so intimidating after all. So super encouraging there. But yeah, we try to make it VBS with a lot of camp flavor and try to bring things that the average VBS program probably wouldn't do just to try to make it more camp. And we end up actually getting a bunch of these day camper kids coming to overnight camp, which is also kind of one of the goals, obviously. And that's kind of what it looks like. Super cool. Thank you for telling us about that. It seems like such a great opportunity for churches to be able to bring in. And it also sounds like it invigorates the people who are there just hearing that one story where you're like, you know, they watched you do it and then they implemented it for themselves for the coming year. And so that's great. That replication aspect of it is so tremendous. What is something that makes your camp unique? What makes our camp unique is that we are relationship-based as opposed to an activity-based camp. What that means is, like I think I mentioned before, we try not to over-program the kids' day. If they're out at an overnight camp at our camp, I don't have speed boats and water skis. I don't have a climbing wall. I don't have high ropes course. I don't have mountain biking. And some of these things, theoretically, we could do and we could get. But, like, I know... 
um, several dozen other camps just in my province, most of them Christian camps. And a lot of them have that. A lot of them will have horses, high ropes, zip lines, speedboats, backpacking, rock climbing, out trips that'll last eight days out in the bush in your canoe. And those are awesome. And I want to kind of be a camper at those camps, but I don't think we need another one. So if somebody wants those activities, I've got a lot of recommendations. But what brings people back to our camp, and they've told us this, is that when they're at our camp, their friendships are stronger somehow, or they feel like they're coming home again. And our goal of being relationship-based has been organic somewhat, but it's also become intentional that everything that we do, we try to make it so that it builds a more meaningful connection with your fellow campers, but also with Jesus Christ. And I talked with Greg Anderson, who's the director or president, whatever they call him now, of Inspiration Point, because he was my camp director, and I, I explained to him what our camp was, and he kind of put it perfectly, and he said, you know, the rare commodity these days is personal connection. It's not fun activities or high-risk sports or any really type of physical activity or complex activity that's not a rare commodity anymore the rare commodity is connecting with people in real life face to face when that's almost all that you can focus on i've heard from a one of our camper dads about two weeks ago who also happens to be one of the resource speakers and a pastor and stuff but his family had gone to another camp for a long time and they still do but he said my one daughter She's never really kept any friends out of that camp. And she came to your camp for one week. And now she's got better friends than she's ever had in her life. And they talk every day and they want to go to camp again next year. And they want to go to school together and all these things. And I thought, good, that was our goal. We try to focus on quality of connection because it's hard to find. So we may as well focus on it. I also think it's more important, to be honest, than high ropes and speedboats, even though those are really, really awesome. But lean into what we're good at and god's blessed us with a kind of a arrangement a facility and a program where that kind of comes easy and so we're leaning into that you know it's great that you mentioned greg today as we're recording it's his birthday so happy birthday shout out to greg and boss but also the next episode after this one airs episode 140 is our interview with greg and inspiration point so you guys are right in tandem with each other. Make sure you mention that I was the first camp director, though. <laughs> Andrew, what's something most people don't know about what goes into running a camp? <laughs> Everything, man. Some things that people think are really small are really, really huge. It's like an idea. Why don't you try this out? And like, just this mm. little thing in their minds. At least after doing it for 12 years, the little thing instantly puts about like a thousand pages of complication behind that little idea. And that can make it challenging for a camp staff to hear new ideas because it's likely they've heard this new idea about 28 times. And the first five, they've considered it and figured out that it was undoable or a terrible idea or, or just didn't fit. So it can be hard for those mm. things. And then almost the exact opposite, where somebody might say, oh, man, 
if we could do this or pull this off, what, oh, that would be so complicated though. But like, it'd probably take like 20 people. It'd probably do all this. And for some things I'm like, actually, no, you'd probably give me about five, six hours. I might ask for help. I might not, but I get probably get that done pretty easily. <laughs> so it's like just kind of the mindset and experience behind what people want or think camp is like, as opposed to what it is like and how it works or how it could work is hilariously different. And I've gotten really good at like not just starting to chuckle or smirk at, at some things where, you know, it's like, yeah, that sounds like it would be very difficult, especially, yeah, you might need like four committees to do that. And then, you know, actually I could probably just get that done pretty quick, you know, whatever. Maybe the better example is the day camp thing where you're like, oh man, we could never run a day camp. I mean, like, what if 30 kids showed up and we'd probably need music? Oh, and then what would the kids, they'd want to run around outside somehow. And <laughs> for us, I'm like, only 30 kids, only 50 kids? Are you kidding me? Like, that's not difficult. You mean to tell me we can send them home at 3 p.m. and then that's it? Oh, well, you're already laughing. So those are some of the fun things. And then probably underneath it all is that working at a camp is not really a job it is entirely a lifestyle and if we're talking christian camp it is an entire calling and vocation mm. because you kind of can't not think about camp all the time and i live on site at camp so for 12 years i've had trouble taking days off because oh take days off and sit in the backyard well the backyard is also the camp and i can see a hundred things that i should do or think of things and it's kind of this all-encompassing, all-encapsulating thing. And I'm sure it's exactly the same for pastors to many of the same extents. Yeah. Any opinion, any idea, any feedback, good, bad, or otherwise, it kind of takes over your life and your mind for a while. And you can learn to compartmentalize that, but in some way, you're also not supposed to. Like Everything that happens your soul and your spirit is supposed to be invested. So if somebody says something hurtful, it doesn't just like hurt for a couple of weeks. It goes way, way deeper than that. And, and the other way too, you know, there, there's certain praise and compliments and feedback that can go to your heart too. And that's great, mm -hmm. but it's pretty tough. Like the bad things are far worse, but the good things are far better. And I'm not really an emotional person up that way or down that way. So it's really hard for a level-headed Norwegian Lutheran Minnesota boy to <laughs> figure out what peaks and valleys are supposed to do to me. But yeah, it's a thing. I'm still here after 12 years, so it, it's worked. I think the previous, they'd never had a full-time director. I don't know if they'd ever had full-time year-round staff, to be honest. I think the previous record was about three years for anybody. And so 12 kind of broke the record a few times. And whether it's because I'm stubborn or I have thick skin or I'm stupid, and I think it's a combination of all those, but also that God hasn't told me to leave yet, even though I've kind of been wondering hundreds of times, but he hasn't told me to go yet. And so far, so good. He's still providing for a lot of people and me included. So what do you dream about for the future of your camp? Wait lists. Short answer. And kind of all that that means. With a lot of camps, the wait list is a normal thing where you, their camps will fill up in the first three, four days, or maybe the first month or two of registration opening, all that. I know Inspiration Point has that where they always say, hey, you know, it's, it's only March and there's two spots left. It's awesome. I would love for 
so many people to want a piece of what we've got out here that there's wait lists for every camp. It's such a business way to talk about it, but it's it's easy to understand. I want what we're doing to be so valuable to people that they want to come back. And not so fun, they want to come back and just, this is where all my friends go, so I'm also going to go because that happens and that's fine. But I, I just want this flavor of God's ministry to be so effective that like I'm having trouble reaching these people. And then there would be a bunch of really stressful conversations for a director after that where like, guys, every summer there's 400 people that can't come. And I'd be like, ah, man, I don't want to buy another camp. And we literally have nowhere to go. Like there's a lake, there's a road and there's people's houses on either side of us. We can't, our land can't get bigger. I don't really want to build 50 cabins on 20 acres because it would just look like a condominium. So I just want people to be touched so much by Jesus that, I don't know, it becomes a center for revival. Dare I say that? We're not Pentecostal, but that's a real word that's really awesome. And I would love to be part of that. And aside from just thinking of it as summer, I do tell people that we're not a summer camp, at least not anymore, because we do things 12 months a year, not just in the summer. But another goal would to be to like have people on site learning about Jesus, like, ooh, dare I say 300 days out of the year? Like that's sketchy because that's still two months where there's no people, but over the course of a year, that's that's a whole lot. There's a lot of camps that do, I mean, they'll have school groups coming. A lot of the off-season stuff will be guest groups, and that's one of my goals too. I just want people here all the time even if they're not coming to learn about Jesus, because frequently they're not. Our guest groups probably are a little more than half churches, so they come and they teach their own groups about Jesus. That's great. We don't really provide any programming or anything like that. And I'd like to get into that, where they can come and we can teach them. <laughs> you can sign up for a physical activity, and we kind of like, either we literally put the gospel in there and they know what they're signing up for, or we kind of slide it in there in fun ways and we can minister to them kind of under the radar, which would be really fun. But just people here all the time enjoying what God has given us. Even though I really like time alone, I'm actually an introvert, but I work as an extrovert. So I don't know why I'm I'm aiming for the goal of people around me all the time. Kind of scary, but that would be the goal. And one of the funny Speaking of funny, tricky, secret ways to minister to people, which is super fun to try to do, is like I've got groups that come and they're not faith groups. They don't do anything faith wise and teaching or whatever. That's cool. I've started just, you know, like the wall art where you just write a Bible verse on the wall. I've started putting those everywhere. <laughs> so I'm doing my part to have the rocks literally cry out on behalf of Jesus because he says it's going to happen. And I'm like, all right. I got your back, man. So I painted on a brick wall. We we put a couple of Bible verses here and there. So even if you're coming and you're not wanting to hear anything of the gospel, unless you're an illiterate, you're going to read some of the gospel, which is kind of fun. It'll be interesting when I get to heaven and see if any of those paintings actually, you know, roundabout affected somebody. It'll be fun. <laughs> Andrew, as we come to wrap up here, one of our last questions we'd like to ask you is this. How can we as a church be praying for you and your camp? Praying for us in almost any way you can think of is helpful. Our biggest support is prayer, and I'll never really know how big of a support it is. Mm. So it's hard to say, really. 
but our camp is growing and has been for a while. So guidance with that and a lot of wisdom on my part for things like that. My first job at Inspiration Point was the maintenance guy mowing the lawn. And now that's kind of the least of my worries, but I have a pretty cool lawnmower. <laughs> I also hired another year-round staff last September, part-time. So I've got a year-round program director now, and she's worked for me for several years as a program director. That's a bigger leap than almost anything the camp's ever done. Like we built a brand new lodge that I'm sitting in during 2020 when we were closed. And that's that was huge. Biggest capital project ever in 85 years, which is awesome. But getting a year-round program person is a far bigger jump, in my opinion, because that leads to programs which touch people and touch their hearts. So the development of year-round programming and with that, that new year-round person, just prayer all the way around that whole thing. What to do with it? Can it accomplish what we want? Is God going to tell us all these things that we didn't know we wanted or needed? Probably. But also dealing with current culture, what they are telling us is true. Frequently, I don't think that it is. And how that affects us in literally what we do. Every camp conference I go to, and I was at one two weeks ago, for the last several years is all about if this type of camper shows up where do they sleep and where what washroom do they go to and i think you know what i'm talking about and there aren't answers like our conference i was at two weeks ago it was a bunch of christian camps and a bunch of secular camps nobody had answers they all had like oh this this and that and then like okay well no that wouldn't quite that wouldn't quite work out super well and so like issues like that that are very important and can lead you to, I don't know, you could get sued mm -hmm. or you risk not being able to reach people who maybe need it more than the average person. I, I hate to say that some people need an extra portion of Jesus. It's just, but you know what I'm talking about? Like some people just, they need what we've got more than anyone else. But the particular situation in the culture that we're in is putting us in a place where we don't even know if we can what we're going to do with them when they're here, which is really hard, you know, like ironically day camps can accomplish some of that, but some of those things are, I mean, for us, so obviously strategic on the part of the evil one that he is so good at deception and long-term strategy for how to really just kind of put us at a dead end in some things is just amazing. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's no answers. And mm -hmm. The answer is to love them. Yes. The answer is to love them. All right. Well, which cabin are they in? Crap. I have no idea. And I still have to love them. So that's probably the biggest elephant in any of the camps everywhere right now, because that's literally what we do. And it, it throws a wrench in it. But we also have to be able to reach these people almost more than, than the average person. You know, with all the questions they've got, they need answers. That's what we're bringing. It's hard to figure out. And it's it's not fun thinking about for a director. Yeah, ministry in general definitely gets messy when we're dealing with people. It's always like that. And so that's definitely something that we'll be praying for you guys as we move 
forward. Can you share a scripture with us that encouraged you throughout your ministry? The reason I came to Canada was to go to Bible school to Canadian Lutheran Bible Institute in Camrose, which is like a half hour south of us here. So I came up for that in 2006, and I've been here ever since, and I met my wife in a roundabout way because she also went there, all these things. But one of the last years I went to Bible school, I did four years, we did this whole thing, and it was very, it was getting fun and charismatic. I'm a huge fan of that, where, you know, it's just like you pray for each other, and then you have verses, you pray for each other and things. And somebody gave me the verse where it said, you should look at Psalm 37, 4. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Which is a really weird verse, because it kind of sounds like if you love Jesus, he'll give you whatever you want. And it actually doesn't really mean that at all. Because to delight in the Lord is like, you're fully connected to Jesus Christ. And you're doing, assumably you're doing it. He's he's been able to communicate that to you. You were living in his will. He told you to go here and you went. He told you to do this and you did it. So if you're in all of that, odds are you're probably not going to ask for a Ferrari and assume that you're going to get it. So to delight in the Lord, you know, is to be doing his kingdom work exactly as he has encouraged you to do it. And then he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, the desires of your heart after being in a situation like that and that connected to Jesus are basically the desires of his heart which is kind of fun so having the verse that sounds like you get whatever you want as long as you go to sunday school and it kind of being the exact opposite of that is a fun one to try to unpack for the rest of my life i try not to think about it a lot often because it's just so much it's so good but it's so much but that's probably the scripture that it's the first one that came to mind. So I'm assuming that's the one you wanted me to share with you. Psalm 37.4 doesn't mean you're going to win the lottery. I mean, if if that's what he's got for you, I am jealous of you. But go read Psalm 37.4 <laughs> and then read it 10,000 more times because it means the opposite, I think, of what you think it does. Well, that brings us to the end of our podcast. Andrew, it was a pleasure talking to you. It was great to hear what Hastings Lakes Bible Camp has in store for its campers, but not only for its campers, but also for those day camps that you guys are going out to churches to be able to do. That's such a tremendous gift that you guys are offering to the kingdom of God, and we're going to be praying for that. So, Andrew, thank you for being a great guest. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. This is my first podcast I've ever been on, and it might be the first podcast I've listened to throughout the whole thing. Nice. Well, hopefully it's not your last. Of either of those. As we wrap up, I want to share a benediction with our listeners, and it's Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. It reads this in the name of the Lord. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This has been Grace for the Grind. If you are one of our listeners, we hope that you would consider subscribing to the podcast and that you would share this podcast with a friend or a colleague. We look forward to our next podcast in this series, which we already hinted at is with Greg Anderson from Inspiration Point. 
And we hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week. And we will catch you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Grace for the Grind, a CLB North American Missions podcast. For more resources like this, check out clbforge.org.